You're listening to Kill Cliff's Hazard Ground Podcast with service members from across the military sharing their stories of combat and survival. And now, here's your host, Mark Zeno. Welcome into the Hazard Ground Podcast. As always, we appreciate you joining us each and every week. Before we get started with this week's episode, which features an incredible young man who is not in the military but has an immense appreciation for the military and has actually highlighted the Hazard Ground Podcast. More on him in a moment, but first, our usual reminders. Don't forget about our social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hazard Ground at Hazard Ground Podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And of course, guys, continue to leave those Apple reviews. As we climb up the charts of the top 100 podcasts, we're going to need your help. Try to get to 1,000 reviews. doesn't have to be a long one. You can do it from your smartphone. You can do it on your computer, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a short review. Give us five stars and help us out and help this podcast continue to grow. Don't forget about our promotion with Amazon. You can go to our website, hazardground.com, and click on the Amazon button at the bottom of the homepage or under the Sponsors tab. Do the same thing from your smartphone. It'll redirect you right to the app so all of your credit card information is saved and you don't have to fumble for anything like that. It's make really easy, really convenient, user-friendly. But anyway, you do all your normal Amazon shopping. We'll get a percentage of what you guys spend, and we'll donate a percentage of that back to some of the charities you've heard featured here on the Hazardground. And of course, we want to wish everybody a belated happy 4th of July, happy Independence Day. Look, this podcast does a lot of great things. And most importantly, it tells a lot of America's greatest stories from our veterans and service members. And we love telling them. So we certainly appreciate you guys listening each week and being part of this Hazard Ground community. And we certainly want to continue to keep that growing and telling more of these stories of America's greatest heroes. So again, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Now on to this week's episode. Joining us this week is a special guest in the sense that this is not a member of the military. Yes, every now and then we sort of go away from our traditional first-person point of view of combat and survival to help provide some context about the veteran community and why we do what we do. And there is a lot of serendipity between the Hazard Ground and this guest because, well, we both have used a military battle and a military incident to create what we are currently doing. Of course, ours is the Hazard Ground podcast itself, but this guest has created a community and a foundation that has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to honor and support fallen special operations soldiers' families. And it was all started by a kid. Yes, at 11 years old, our guest had the foresight to do something after the men on Extortion 17, which was a call sign for two Chinook helicopters, were shot down in Afghanistan, killing 38 Special Operations members, including 17 Navy SEALs. And again, an 11-year-old boy was so moved by this incident, he decided to do something about it. And such spawned the creation of Operation Hawkeye. He is the founder and creator of it. He is Will Thomas joining us on the Hazard Ground Podcast. Will, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Hi there, of course. Uh, I really appreciate y'all having me. Um, been looking to do this for a while, so I'm glad we finally made it work. No, absolutely. And again, first of all, thank you uh, for all the support that you've given the Hazard Ground. You know, we talk a lot about the Hazard Ground community. Uh, Operation Hawkeye has been a big part of that because you've been helping to promote our podcast through your social media following. And oh, by the way, you have an Instagram account that has nearly 55,000 followers. So we are insanely jealous of the social media following you've created, but due to the shares that you have given all of our videos and all of our social media content, it's helped to grow this Hazard Ground community. So first off, thank you so much for doing that. But secondly, you know, uh, it's amazing to see 
that just as an 11 year old kid, how you were inspired to do something um, based off of what you had learned about the military, because I'm correct in saying there is no military ties in your family, right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. I mean, just purely an emotional thing for me. Um, just realizing the significance of and the sacrifice that, you know, some of our military and special operators in particular have um, obviously given um, something that really hit home for me when I was younger and, and still does to this day. All right. Well, it was August of 2011 when two Chinooks took off in Afghanistan uh, and the call sign was Extortion 17. They were shot down by the Taliban. All 38 passengers on board both of those helicopters were killed, and it was the largest loss of American lives in a single incident in the entire nearly 20 years of the war in Afghanistan. So you at the time are 11. When you hear about what happens, what is your first thought and reaction? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been 10 years now, obviously, so I can't, I can't remember specifically. I just remember um, just sort of the gravity of it was something that I knew I wasn't fully able to comprehend at the time, but I could tell just by the way that sort of the media and some family and friends were reacting that, you know, it was a really big deal. And so the more I looked into it, um, the more it mattered to me and the more I felt that I needed to do something to make that make a terrible situation a little bit better. I mean, look, at 11 years old, if you're a kid like I was, you know, I cared about baseball. I cared about playing with my friends. I cared about riding my bike and, and doing all those things. And granted, I wasn't growing up as a child in, in, where we had two wars going on at the time. But from that standpoint, I, I'm just curious if you, if you can kind of remember, you know, what about it pulled you so much? Because it's easy for kids to just say, oh, man, that's that's awful and, and go about their lives because they don't really have the, the depth of understanding of what went on. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to act like I wasn't uh... – a super normal 11 year old kid by, by any other metric. Um, I, I'm sure I was the same way as you. I think I, there was just something about that situation that really tugged at my heartstrings and, and really made me feel compelled to do something. And I think there was, there was definitely like a transition between me talking about how upset it made me and me deciding to actually do something about it. And that wasn't immediate. I don't think, but it was something that the more that my parents and family and friends saw how much it was bothering me, they um, sort of gave me avenues to sort of pursue um, a way to make it better. Do you remember any conversations you had with your parents about it? Um, to be honest, no, no specifics, but definitely I remember – actually, I remember one main conversation on, on the same tune to that last comment um, – about when I remember I was just talking about how upset I was by it and how bad of a situation it was. And then my dad said, well, what are you going to do about it? And so it was at that point that I think the middle school me was like, oh, like, is, <laughs> is that an option? Like, is there anything <laughs> I can do? And so, I mean, the more we talked about it, the more you realize you you can make an impact in any small way, no matter no matter how far away you are from the accident in Afghanistan or or whether or not you have any ties to the military or whether or not you knew anybody who died in the crash. Um, obviously, um, I was glad to realize that you can make an impact no matter how far away you are. So you come up with this idea of shooting hoops um, and your dad was going to pay you for this whole endeavor. So how does this whole thing get born? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it sort of speaks to what you were saying about <laughs> when you were younger and, and your priorities were probably sports and your friends and all that. And I was the same way. So I think my response to what are you going to do about it is, well, what am I, what could I do? Like, all I can do is like, all I care about are sports. Like, that's all I do. And, and so I think my dad said something to the tune of, well, that's not such a bad thing. Maybe we can explore that and see if there's any way that we can turn that into a way to generate awareness um, for the cause. And, and maybe even if people feel as moved as I did, maybe even some donations as well. Um, and my dad said that he would give me, I think it was a penny a basket initially. Mm -hmm. And so I set out and, and made uh, like 20,000 or something. And <laughs> by the end of the weekend that, I mean, I don't remember the math on that, but that had added up and, and a lot of other friends and family and people that I didn't even know personally um, had also contributed Wow, see, that's interesting because in our research, it was it was only seventeen thousand shots that you made, um, which was a thousand baskets for each one of the seventeen Navy SEALs that were killed on the uh, on the Chinook helicopters. And uh, for those who aren't math majors, uh, one penny for seventeen thousand shots is equal to one hundred and seventy dollars. So it wasn't a a large amount. But you're saying that other people also, when you decided to start shooting hoops, are saying, "I'll give you a penny as well for every shot." Yeah, so your re first of all, your research is correct. It was the goal was to make seventeen thousand one for each of those seventeen seals. Gotcha. Okay. But then, but then I think we had like a few hours left in the weekend and made a few thousand more. Now, did you so go to sleep at all? Or did you just keep shooting straight through the night? No, no, I, I slept. But it was it was like a long Labor Day weekend, so I gave myself Monday. Ah, uh, so you had three days. Well, listen, I mean, higher math tells you, you know, draining uh, five five to six thousand buckets in a weekend probably gets a little bit tedious <laughs> yeah i mean i it wasn't something that i even initially planned to do more than once which is to me one of the more interesting things about it like once i saw the response and some of the family members of those who actually passed away in the extortion 17 mission expressed to me that it's something that i could and should do more of um that's when i I mean that that was the inception of the thought for me to do it more than once like it it wasn't it wasn't anything that I was planning on becoming a a 10 year endeavor by any means but just the the strength of the feedback that I got and the the impact that people were able to make based on like this grass grassroots crowdfunding and spreading awareness approach um, it, it really took off. Yeah. I mean, were you surprised at how many people heard about what you were doing so quickly? Oh yeah. Like, oh, how, yeah. how, do you know how it spread that fast or no? Um, I mean, obviously, social media helps. It, I, it was Facebook at first, but even before that, I mean, it was, we were pretty rudimentary about it. My my mom helped me make flyers, and we passed them out at the grocery store, typical, like, lemonade stand, middle schooler story. Mm -hmm. um, but then as it took off, I mean, I guess it had to have been Facebook that really made it more of a uh, regional or national thing as opposed to just a local DC area thing, which is what I think it was at first. So as you're doing this over the course of this first weekend, um, do you ever feel like, you know, okay, this is enough. Like I've done, I mean, what's still motivating you to get to 17,000? I mean, did you ever just want to go inside and just sit down and be like, all right, that's enough. You know, 11,000 is enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I mean, honestly, I was, it was Labor Day weekend, so it was not even a month, I think, after the Chinooks had gone down. Right. And so, I mean, it's not like, it's not like the cause was lost on me at that point by any means. Um, and it certainly isn't still today. So I think, I mean, if you, if you have a good reason for why you're doing something, um, it can be pretty easy to motivate yourself, especially if it's only for a couple of days. Now, all in total, you raised over $50,000 that weekend. Um, when you heard that number, what was your reaction? Were you just blown away? Oh, I mean, I didn't believe it, especially that amount of money to a kid means a lot more than it does to me now. So, I mean, I, I definitely remember being extremely taken aback and it just completely spoke to the fact that so many hundreds, if not thousands of people had heard the story that I heard and had the exact same reaction because like you were saying, no ties to the military. And I think that helped resonate with other civilian families sure. who, but who are equally like patriotic, so to speak, and understand the the value and necessity of our military and what they do for us. So I think that just totally opened my eyes to that reality. Um, and it's something that I have to keep reminding myself, especially in, in these troubling times where maybe that's not so much the case. Right, right. So you have this amazing first weekend. Did you think you were done? That was it? Or were you saying, I have to do more of this? Yeah. Um, like I was saying earlier, I wasn't really initially planning on it being anything more until I think I would say the most impactful interaction I had was with a widow of Jonas Kelsel, who was one of those 17 SEALs who passed away. And she actually ended up being from my hometown and came by my house unbeknownst to me. And she was the one who really kind of expressed the message of like really sincere gratitude, but also just trying to let me know and point out to me that there isn't there. She didn't feel that there was enough going on like what I was trying to do. And so she was trying to, I think, endorse it a little more and try and get me to um, like keep with the cause and, and try and make even more of an impact than just that initial weekend. And so that's what we did. That interaction, and again, uh, you referred to Lieutenant Commander Jonas B. Kelso, who was one of the SEALs um, killed on the mission. Uh, she shows up at your door. Uh, what's this interaction like? Are you scared? Are you nervous? I mean, how are you feeling? Again, you're an 11-year-old kid. I mean, any adult oh, yeah. who you don't know approaching you, anything is sort of a little bit scary. Yeah, I mean, there were there were definitely tears on, on all of our behalfs. Um, it was it was a very emotional interaction, to be honest with you, and I can still remember exactly where we were standing. Um, but I mean, it it really I don't want to sound cheesy, but it did kind of alter the course of my life, at least in in the context of the past ten years. Which I mean, I'm only twenty one, so that's I guess that's my life. What's the one thing she said that stays with you the most? Just that she said that Jonas would have loved what you're doing. I think I think that was the most like simple way that she could communicate the message to a middle school kid. Um, and I just I remember feeling so honored and and so like proud that a guy that I had never even heard of before a few weeks prior to that, um, but I had come to consider him and his and his peers heroes. And so to hear that she thought that he would have been proud of what I was doing and 
that he would have wanted me to do more, that I think was the most impactful motivating factor going forward, especially. By the way, just out of curiosity, you made 17,000 or 20,000 rather shots. How many did you miss? <laughs> uh, probably probably about that many also. Oh. I didn't keep track of those. <laughs> so you're shooting 50% from the field. That's never bad. Never bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's also when you when you you've, when you've uh, shot twenty thousand the day before, your your limbs are not working the way that they right. did when you started. <laughs> a little weary, right? Uh, right. All right. So you decide after this in two thousand twelve, you have to do more, right? Uh, what's mm-hmm. next for you? Yeah, I think it's hard for me to remember the exact timeline, but I remember within that, within like a year span from there. So we started out um, obviously primarily focused on the Navy SEALs on that mission. Mm -hmm. Um, But another strong reaction that we got was, hey, like I know you're shooting 17,000 baskets for these 17 guys, but there were a lot of other special operators that were lost in other branches. Um, And so then we were like, oh, like, yeah, I guess that's true. That's kind of crappy of us to to ignore – other heroes who gave equal sacrifices. So from there, I don't know if we went straight to MARSOC or AFSOC or what exact cause we moved on from the Navy SEAL side of things, but we tried to make it more inclusive beyond that going forward, um, just based on some of the feedback that we got. And, and I mean, I think I probably made it clear by now that we were literally just like listening and adapting and reacting to the feedback that we were getting from people within the the actual special operations community because we were outside of it. And was most of this um, feedback on Facebook? Is that where you were getting it? A lot of it through there. I'm trying to – I mean I, I wasn't really like active online at the time right, like, personally. <laughs> right. So I think a lot of the correspondence initiated with my dad um, and then – like he would obviously express those messages to me, and and then there were a, a few times we were able to um, like interact with them um, and just you know get feedback, like I was saying, and just determine the direction of the cause since it was, I mean, just a baby at the time. So you start this next event called uh, Fire, a Rise in Fire. Um, in 2012, right. and it's for all the special operations forces uh, that were aboard the aircraft. What are you doing with this? Yeah, so that was a way to try. Um, I think we expanded from like free throws to three pointers um, that year, um, and um. And like I was saying, just like trying to expand the cause beyond just the Navy SEAL community, um, who we obviously had formed a great relationship with by that point, but just trying to um, get involved with with more of the different branches just because the initial um, Extortion 17 incident that sparked the whole thing was more of a special operations wide thing. Right. So you make all these three-pointers, you raise more money, and uh, are you at the point right now where you're you're feeling like this is an organization that's going to stick? I mean, when do we actually get to the idea of Operation Hawkeye? Yeah. Um, so the actual phrase we coined pretty early on, 
but I definitely saw it as an operation in the sense that a military operation is frequently like a one-time thing or like maybe a, a couple-time thing. Um, but once I really, when I really started to think of it as an organization was probably when I got into high school and I was more able to understand like sort of the gravity and the size of the network that we'd created. Um, and then at that point, it became, all right, I can only have so much of an influence as Will Thomas shooting free throws in my high school basketball gym. What, how can I get more people involved? Like I'm, I'm tired of asking my friends' parents for money for this for for a great cause, but I we we need to tap into other networks that we formed at this point. And at this point, we have well over a hundred thousand uh, um, like followers on our friend likes on Facebook or whatever. Um, and so our network is, is pretty national at this point. And so we begin looking for ways to get other people involved and give them avenues to do something similar to me. Right. Just to, just to sort of maximize the impact and, and make it more of a, a national thing as opposed to a local thing. In 2013, uh, you honored Chris Kyle, um, who was the Navy SEAL who, uh, was killed right after his military career was over. Uh, right. And shameless plug, his his uh, widow, Taya Kyle, was a former guest here on the Hazard Ground. But she raised almost $20,000 for the Chris Kyle Memorial Trust, uh, which, again, I mean, are you ever sort of shocked at this point at the scope of the amount of money you're able to raise? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely adding up at this point. Um, and, and it's something that's continuing to wow me. Um, but... And like, I wouldn't say that there was ever a point that I was used to it, but, um, I think we, we, we did a pretty good job of finding different causes that were all extremely compelling. So, mm -hmm. um, obviously the, the Chris Kyle situation was, um, extremely like nationally known and, right, and sure. publicized, just given, given how significant of a figure he was, um, so I think just the fact that we were able to like f identify causes that um, we found compelling and we thought that if we find them compelling and, and worth uh, being called to action over that, that many people would feel the same. And, and it, we just keep being shown that, um, that that was the case and that people were having the same emotional reactions that, that I was. You also get a visit from somebody else, uh, some guy named William McRaven. Uh, yeah. I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course, the yeah. uh, admiral who was the head of uh, United States Special Operation Command. Um, a little bit more of an imposing figure, I suppose, right, when he shows up to your front door? <laughs> yeah. Miss um, Kelsall is is a very um, confident woman, but she's not quite as tall or um, accomplished in, in terms of the military, so... It, it was definitely definitely interesting to see him pull up in his black suburban with his bodyguards. Did you know my, he was coming? My, no, I had no idea. <laughs> to be honest with you, I think I think I'm probably like 14 at that point. Uh -huh. um, so I'm a little older, but I still I don't know if I even knew who he was. To be honest with you, prior to the fact, um, but I mean, obviously, once. <laughs> As as the day progressed and as the weeks passed, um, I began to understand the significance of that. And did your parents know he was coming? I I have to imagine so. I think he had interacted with my mom or something. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you know. Uh, yeah. Because your parents but probably wouldn't be able to pick Admiral McRaven out of a lineup either. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> my 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 dad might. He he respects him just as much as I do. Do you think back on those times and wonder, you know, why wasn't I just a normal high school kid? Like, I mean, did you ever stop and think, like, I'm, you know, missing time with my friends, or you know, I could be playing basketball or baseball, or whatever it is, to do all this stuff? Does that ever creep into your mind? I mean, I would understand it, right? I mean, I have kids. I know what it's, I know what it's like. No, I mean, to be honest, I don't see it that way at all. Um, I, I definitely look back on myself as, as a high schooler and, and think that I had a very normal experience and, and acted immaturely um, and, and did things that I wasn't proud of as, as anybody did. But I think it was just a matter of uh, my role models, mainly my family, um, just making it clear to me that with time management um, and, and priorities and goals, you can, you can get a lot done. Um, and that's something that obviously now being in college and entering the real world next year, um, that's something I'm grateful for now. And I think just in terms of, of life experience, that was, it was eye-opening to see that. By the way, I meant to ask you this before, but tell me where Operation Hawkeye comes from, the name itself. Yeah, so two things. One... The first thing was there was this video um, of Hawkeye, the dog, who was the dog of one of the SEALs who passed. I believe it was John Tummelson, but I might be mistaken on that, which would be re really embarrassing, but I think that's right. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a video that went viral of Hawkeye, the dog, not leaving the casket of his owner. Um and he just stayed there as the, the funeral progressed. And we thought that that was a, a very symbolic um, sort of message to send just because we wanted to be sending the message that, yes, we know that you lost loved ones and we know that they made heroic sacrifices, but we're not going to forget about them. And we're going to honor their memory by letting everybody in the country know what they did for them. Um, so that was the first part. And also... Um, just the reference to Hawkeye, like the superhero archer guy, because I don't know, I guess I thought I was a good shot or something. <laughs> All right. So you, you, you move on to high school and now you uh, change sports to raise money. It's on to baseball with something called Strike Force, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so it actually got to the point there was one. I did an annual Labor Day shooting challenge every year from, I think, like seventh to 10th grade. And then by 10th grade, or maybe it was 11th grade. By that point, I was getting pretty serious about baseball and the shooting challenges were actually like starting to give me like arm problems. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> I realized that might not be in my best interest anymore. And so I was trying to think about other ways that I could accomplish the same goal. And so I was like, well, I'm um, playing baseball full time and I, I consider myself better at baseball than basketball at this point. And of course, I'm a 16-year-old, so I'll, that's that's all I can really think about. And so I'm like, all right, well, let's see if my friends and I want to come together and reach out to our networks to um, see if we could raise money and awareness on a dollar per strikeout basis over the course of the season. Um, so this was really interesting because it, it was actually like 
us in like real games. Um, so I guess that couldn't have worked if we were like NCAA athletes or something. But gotcha, yeah. we were. It was just like summer ball uh, tournaments and stuff that that we ended up um, raising a good amount of money for as well. So that was that was cool to you know take a take a uh, team approach with um, a bunch of my teammates as well. So anytime that we were striking people out on the field, we were celebrating the dugout because one, we were winning and playing well, but also we knew that our parents in the stands were donating money to a worthy cause every time we struck somebody out. It's pretty impressive. You ever think somebody struck out on purpose just to help you raise money? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, I don't, I don't think the opponents knew what was going on. That might've been a bit of a conflict of interest. Right, right. Um, is is your arm in good condition now? Um, yeah, she's still alive. <laughs> um, not haven't haven't played baseball in a while, um, but definitely miss it. And I think I think I could do some damage if I got out there. When when you continue to go on from high school and on to college, and you mentioned you're in your senior year now at uh, at UVA, but um, did at any point in time has any of this ever become? I don't want to say a bother, but just too much for you to handle, or is it is it too much for a kid to deal with? Um, definitely not too much. Um, but I would say that in college, um, my schedule was much less conducive to things like, um, like marathon shooting challenges and things like that. Um, and also my my body, <laughs> I don't know, is maybe not that jazzed about doing that as much anymore um so i think we're just trying to you know continue to focus on what we can do to um just keep exploring creative ways to push the cause forward um and and i think um it's it's been it's been a great experience overall definitely no regrets whatsoever no no negative feelings about the time commitment or anything just because like I said, I mean, it's a cause that the value of which is never lost on on me and, and on us. And, and to that end, I, I guess, do you start to try to figure out new ways to raise money? I mean, is it does it ever get to a point where you ha- you're sitting here going, I got to do something other than sports to raise money? Or, uh, you know, has this continuing to grow at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really difficult, especially since I feel like um, – Without sports anymore, I've kind of out-tapped my personal network in terms of fundraising. Um, and and the way I got over that in high school was then I went to friends who were also athletes and tapped into their networks in terms of fundraising just because it's really not practical to ask the same 25 adults that you know every year for, for thousands of dollars. Um, and so that was our method of growth back then. Um, and without sport... Um, quite as seamless to to find those new avenues, but I would say that we have made up for that um, by really trying to keep the cause relevant in terms of social media um, and and just endorsing other causes, um, just to sort of I don't know I mean just to just to keep um, keep the mission. How has Operation Hawkeye changed and what's next for it? I mean, it has certainly changed several times over throughout its, I guess, 10-year lifetime. Um, 
it's been really interesting to sort of see how it transitioned from just like a personal thing on a very isolated weekend to then growing into um, sort of more of a collaborative thing where I try to get my teammates involved and then try to get other people from around the community involved and around the country. Um, and so I think that trajectory is just going to continue to grow just in terms of um, the network will just continue to expand the the growth that we see in terms of social media followings and things like that. Um, it's just just continues to grow year over year. So I'm definitely curious to see where we are in a year or two um, in terms of how many people we're able to reach um, and just how far we can we can spread our message. You mentioned reach and, you know, if you go through your Instagram account and again, nearly 55,000 followers, it's amazing. Um, it, it, all your posts are just fallen uh, special operators, but the people who reach back out to you, family members, is that still happening? Yeah. I mean, not as much recently, I'd say just because I'm now, I'm a little more isolated in my college town and not like in the community where I had made relationships with some people right, and some yeah. more um so yeah i mean i definitely say that there's been less of that as opposed to i also think when i was like a 13 or 14 year old it was like people were a lot more maybe impressed by it so they were like oh my gosh i have to reach out to this kid to tell him he's cool but now at this point i mean i've got plenty of peers who are doing really cool fundraising stuff um so i think when when um when maybe the families of some of the fallen guys see it they don't feel quite as compelled to, to reach out just because maybe it's an expectation at this point, which is which is what I hope it will continue to be because it should be an expectation. All right. So for the listening audience, um, I'm just kind of curious, you and I, the first time we're speaking, other than a couple of interactions on, on social media, but uh, when you had first saw the hazard ground, what was your reaction to it? Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely different than some of the media outlets I'm used to um, just because, I mean, as you said, there's no military connection there. And, and there's definitely a culture surrounding military, especially like special operations and all that, that, that I was not aware of at all prior to all this, mm -hmm. but it's something that, that honestly has been one of the coolest aspects of it. Um, just sort of peeling back the curtain um, and, and seeing some, some things like this that are, you know, like I said, different than what I might interact with on an everyday basis. But I'm grateful for Operation Hawkeye for opening my eyes to um, different different things like this. Do you know where you want Hawkeye to go next? Um, I mean, I'm I'm open to anything. Um, just can continue to grow our platforms is going to be going to be a focus, and and maybe. Um, I'll have to sit down and do some some hard brainstorming about some way that we can uh, raise some money here. What do you want to do when you get out of college? Um, I've actually already accepted a job offer in uh, Washington, D.C., doing some consulting work. So that's what I'll be doing in the short term as, as far as the long term goes. And definitely a little more nebulous there. Um, I'm curious to see where my career takes me, but I know that this cause is something that I'll hold hold close to my heart for for all of it. Just out of curiosity, when when you were going through interviews and everything else, did you 
divulged that this was you behind Operation Hawkeye and, and were able to show people what you were able to create? Um, I think I may have at first, um, but, but then, I mean, I was, I was kind of trying to emphasize some of the more like industry specific stuff that I've been doing, um, <laughs> just de- depending on the job interview. But I mean, there, there definitely have been some conversations where people ask me about, um, a time that, um, I've faced like a difficult problem or something and, or complex issue and how I, how I solved it and questions like that, um, where I apply some of, some of the things I've learned, um, throughout all of this, just because, I mean, it has been pretty entrepreneurial in nature and something that I never, like, I mean, obviously I've said was not expecting that at all initially. If you could go back and talk to the 11 year old kid, uh, and tell him one thing about this process, what would you say to him? I mean, I would tell him that he's going to be amazed and and to stick with it um, and thank his parents for for how how many opportunities they provided for him when when I was you know starting with all this, um, just their encouragement and um, just sort of the the way that they helped me make my goals uh, become reality. That was something that. It's it's hard to really appreciate as a middle school kid, um, but it's something that I definitely appreciate a lot more now, and and I continue to appreciate it more and more. Do you think that you'll still be doing Operation Hawkeye in three years, five years? I mean, is it hard to know, or or do you love it that much that you don't see any end to it in sight? Well, I I definitely love it, and I don't really see a reason to stop. I mean. Um, it's not like, I mean, I, it's only, the only variable is, is, uh, the time available, available to me, but I, that hasn't been an issue for me thus far. And I don't anticipate that to change. Has there been anything that you've done in this process that surprised you or caught you off guard or was like, wow, I didn't expect that. Didn't see that one coming. Um, one thing that we haven't touched on yet that, that really was a big aspect of it for me personally was how there was one one pretty isolated endeavor we did one summer where we tried to um, like reach out to kids around the country and have them do free throw shooting competitions similar to me when when I because I guess I was probably fifteen or sixteen at that point and I remember there were a bunch of really cool kids that signed up to do it um, and we gave prizes to the people who made the most free throws or raised the most money. And I remember just being so amazed by some of the interactions I had with um, some of the the free throw shooters, like drop the stuff off for them just because um, just realizing um, how like your actions can make things that were like previously something that you would never think about. Um, they, they bring them close to home. And I think just being able to provide an avenue to kids that were in the same position as me, just kids who like sports and kids who respected those who gave their lives in service of their country. Um, those are, <laughs> those are two pretty common factors, um, around youth in America. And I think that was something that was really cool for me to see, um, just how, people responded and, and really felt the same way as me. 
the veteran community is such a tight-knit community, and we all support each other. But, you know, again, part of what you do lives on social media, where there is always room for negativity. I'm just kind of curious. Have you ever gotten any negative feedback? Um, I don't know about initially, just because I'd imagine my parents probably hid that from me if that ever happened. No one has ever confronted me about anything. Um, there were there were some some growing pains. Um, like I was saying initially, there were some people who were pretty upset by the fact that we only raised money for the Navy SEAL Foundation initially following Extortion 17. Um, and that, like I was saying earlier, is totally uh, rang true for us and made a lot of sense to us and was just honestly a complete issue of oversight for us. Um, so that some of those were some tense conversations. Um, but I think... Uh, we did our best to to correct our course of action and and try and you know make it make it more um, inclusive. Uh, but I would, in terms of um, like the public's response, it's been overwhelmingly positive and and exclusively positive. Yeah, I mean, again, I, it's it's a weird question, but there's being on social media. There's always room for negativity, right? Like that's just oh, where oh, it lives. Yeah. So I was just kind of curious if anybody had, uh, had, you know, uh, sort of giving you a little bit of that pushback, uh, in the process, because, um, while, you know, it's, it's noble and, and your efforts certainly, um, are to be commended. There's a group of people out there who are going to be mad about something, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, certainly the case, especially these days, but I mean, it's not something I'll ever lose sleep over. Sure. Um, and fortunately, not not something that I'm confronted with. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that that stays that way. You've always run into people who have wanted to help out. Um, as a college kid, I mean, were you able to sort of put some more grassroots at UVA, or did you find a lot of people were willing to do it? I mean, is it something that um, people identify you with on campus? Oh, there's the Operation Hawkeye guy. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't describe it that way at all. Um, Still, it's still something that I would say is more of uh, like a hometown identity for me. Um, but I mean, I've I've gotten involved here at school as well, and and gotten involved in some some cool things um, that I would say make make my college identity more um, as opposed to to Operation Hawkeye. But I mean, people people know about it um, in terms of my like close friends and everything, and and. They they're totally supportive. What do your parents still say about all this? Oh, I, I mean, they're they're still all for it. Um, they were they were the biggest proponents all along, um, especially my dad. Um, so I mean, it's it's been cool. It's been a cool bonding experience for him and I, just seeing this thing take off and and tackling some tough issues together. Uh, it was definitely experience that I'm super grateful for. Um, and of course my, my mom is a proud mama, but <laughs> she was extremely supportive as well the whole time. Um, so definitely appreciate them for that. You told us why you started this. Um, why do you still do it? Why is there still such this burning desire, uh, to make sure we honor these fallen? Yeah. I mean, I, I think just some of the interactions that I've had over the course of the past 10 years have sort of 
maybe kept the fire alive um, and just continually reminded me of the importance of it. Um, and just, just it's, it's motivation that um, I, I can't get from anything else. Um, so it's interesting because you and I, you know, across each other on social media and you kind of saw what we were doing and we saw what you were doing and we kind of felt like there was a lot of synergy there. Um, you know, what, what is our relationship like, uh, with you? I mean, when you see the hazard ground out there and, and, you know, we're working sort of not together, but not separately, if that makes any sense. I mean, I know this much, as I said earlier, we're grateful for everything you do for us because you have a platform that is bigger than ours, so you certainly have helped us grow. Um, but, you know, I, I hope that in some small way we've sort of uh, given you back the same thing. No, of course. Um, I, I definitely see our, our um, respective missions as completely going towards the same goal. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons we've, we've always gotten along and always been happy to endorse anything that y'all do. Um, and we really appreciate your support of us. Um, so, I mean, yeah, just, just seeing the, the parallel missions there is really cool. Just, um, just sharing stories that sort of remind the military community and remind the, the general public of, of what's going on and some of the sacrifices that people are making and some of the cool stuff that's going on. And, um, it just, just good stuff. Well, again, man, I, I can't thank you enough again for the support you've given us, but uh, just talking to you and, and watching how this whole thing has come to pass for you has been amazing. Uh, I mean, I'm not your dad, but I'd certainly be proud as hell of you uh, and the work that you've done. I'm sure your parents are and uh, what you've been able to create uh, and, and the movement that you've sort of started is um, is something that will last a lifetime for you. But it'll also last a lifetime for those of the lives that you've impacted. And, and that's something we talk about a lot because – I don't think you should ever sell short the amount of impact that you have. And you might not always see it. You might not always feel it, but uh, it's out there, man. I mean, Will, you have done just a, an, an amazing job at, at, you know, giving some sort of hope to people who may have feel like they've lost it all. Well, I appreciate it. Um, definitely super um, grateful for the impact that we've been able to make on a community that I feel eternally indebted to. Um so, I mean, uh, whenever people tell me that they're proud of me or whatever, I just automatically treat it as a point of pride for myself just because um, I love the cause so much. And I know that anything that I've been able to accomplish has been a direct reflection of people in um, just American citizens in general having the same feelings as me um, and the same amount of respect for this community. Um, so super grateful for the, for the experience as a whole. Well, again, make sure you guys go to their website, uh, ophawkeye.com. That's ophawkeye.com. You can go to facebook.com slash Operation Hawkeye. They are also on Instagram, op underscore Hawkeye. Uh, and, of course, you can see and hear uh, all the great work that you guys are doing out there and look at some of the pictures of the people that you're continually honoring um, who have you know, made the, the ultimate sacrifice um, for their country. And just, uh, again, man, I'm, I'm speechless and I'm kind of at a loss at what you've created. And certainly, um, and so thankful that, uh, we're in this thing together, man. Yeah, of course. I appreciate it. And I look forward to, to our relationship progressing in the future. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for being part of the hazard ground. Of course. Thank you. You've been listening to Kill Cliff's hazard ground podcast. 
hosted by Mark Zeno. If you have an interesting story to tell and you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at producer at hazardground.com. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.